0: Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Let's pray to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you. For joining us for our time of the study of the word of God. And uh we are handling the book of Matthew, and uh we want to continue today with chapter nine of this book of Matthew. And uh we've handled eight chapters, you can always find them on our podcast channels. Now, today I want us to start with Matthew chapter nine. We are looking at the events that happen with Jesus, yeah. And uh, it starts by saying, getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. His own city, of course, that they're talking about here is Capernaum. And uh, he was born, of course, elsewhere, grew elsewhere. But then this is a place that he uh, was well fond of and used to be a lot. So this is where he travels to go to. And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Remember, in the ministry of Jesus, every time people know that this is where the power is, people have an idea of where to go in time uh, where, where things are not working out. They know a man who is healing the sick in every corner of Israel. They know of a man who has come and has changed the dynamic in the place so, When things are not working out, they know where to run to. There is a man called Jesus. And that is one thing that we've got to be aware of, that everything else can fail, but Jesus cannot fail you. When everything else has been tried out, there is one option that is assured of victory. There is one option that is always assured of success on your end, and that is Jesus. And these men, as we are told here in the Scripture, They brought a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith. Now, that's the interesting thing. Seeing whose faith? Seeing the faith of the men who brought this paralytic. Jesus said to the paralytic, take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. There are a number of things that we identify there. First of all, the faith of others. The faith that other people carry and these also cause a move with jesus jesus is responding to faith even if it is being exercised on behalf of others and that's a very interesting area to look into the faith that somebody else has on your behalf can make you get well the faith that others have on your behalf can help you push forward. If It may not even be in the angle of healing or the area of healing. It may be in just the way things work or in a career. And there's somebody who has faith in you that, you know what, you can make it. I believe that you are the best person in this job, even if you don't feel like it. But the faith that that person has is what drives you on, is what makes things work for you. Now it gets better that for Jesus, the faith that these men had, he considered that and said, I will come out and work for this man because of the faith of those people who have brought him. And that, that, that should help you know, because sometimes you, you feel that everything is just happening anyhow. But there are people out there who, who you are on their prayer list. And you're wondering, why are things happening in my life? I see things progressing. I don't pray so much. I don't probably have even a life that is so worthy, but I I see things are progressing in life, and it's because of the faith of others, it's because of the belief other people have, it's because of the intercession that others have. Through intercession, believers and people who who are Christians can affect other people's lives. They can affect your life. There's somebody who can intercede for you and things happen. And sometimes we we don't have the strength to pray. We don't have the energy to go out and, and persevere and pray. And, and there's somebody out there who is doing it. That's why we need intercessors in this world. We need people who go out in the Christian circle and pray for things to happen. Because by their faith, there can be a move of God. By their faith, there can be a difference that comes out. By their faith, Jesus can respond. By their faith, God can come out and work. You need intercessors for you, people who pray for you. You need intercessors for your family. You need intercessors for a church, you have people who intercede for the church. You need intercessors for a community. You need intercessors for a nation that can cause the move of God. Because those intercessors and the people who carry the faith on behalf of others, it does not matter the life of the person they are carrying it for. It does not matter what this paralytic did. It does not matter how this paralytic lived. It is the faith of those who brought him that Jesus looks at and says, I will work. And it is not sometimes we we might put all these restrictions on how we are going to cause the move of the hand of God. But God looks beyond that. And here he's looking at the faith of those who've come those who have carried this man to come along and this is the interesting thing he tells this person this paralytic your sins are forgiven this has a number of sentiments that may be attached to it one it could be that what was causing the sickness for this man is sin, and now he's saying your sins are forgiven God is considering this man because of those who have brought him, the faith of those who brought him, but then he is telling him that your sins are forgiven. There are sicknesses, there are diseases, there are afflictions, there are attacks, all sorts of attacks, and physical and spiritual attacks, that can be drawn to somebody because of sin. That's why you have to make sure that you live a life free of sin. You have to do the all that you can to stay away from it because the attractions that come with it, sin attracts disease. Sin attracts sickness. And it may be seen in the physical sense or in the spiritual sense that it will attract disease to somebody. You will, For example, if somebody lives a promiscuous life, a life filled with Adultery, life filled with uh, fornication or whatever it is—that's a sinful life. But what are the attractions of that life? Disease—you can get sick by just the way you live. So the, uh, the 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 attractions that will come to somebody because of sin, and he tells this man, "Take courage." Hmm? Was he not confident? Was he afraid? Was he feeling is not worthy? Was he feeling, okay, I've been brought to this man, Jesus, to make me well, but my life has not been worthy? What was the feeling this man carried that Jesus now has to tell him, take courage, do not fear. You've been living a terrible life, or you did this to somebody and you fell sick, but your sins are forgiven. Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And Jesus tells this man, your sins are forgiven because he's got the power to do that. And in everything, that we we have to know that that is the person that we worship. That's the one we serve. He has power to forgive sins he came so that our sins may be forgiven. And for for him telling this man, your sins are forgiven, of course, causes some uproar among the the, the leaders. And some of the scribes in verse 3, say it to themselves, this fellow blasphems because they're saying, who are you to forgive sins? Who are you to forgive that man? Who are you to say that that man's sins are forgiven? Because as far as they knew, it is only God. I mean, these guys have read books and books. They know all the law in their minds. They have everything checked out. And here is a man who's been born in Bethlehem there is a man, a son of a carpenter, as they might know him, and he's forgiving sins. It is to them, it's outrageous. How can you do that? Remember, they already had their issues with Jesus, and now he's coming out to make it even tougher. Hmm? Who are you to forgive sins? That is blasphemy. That's what they considered it. They say This man blasphemes because he cannot be forgiving sins. And Jesus, scripture here, Verse 4 says, and Jesus knowing their thoughts. How did he know their thoughts? It's Jesus. He knows what they are thinking. He knows what they are thinking. He knows what is in their minds. Jesus knowing their thoughts said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Hearts. That is a question that Jesus is asking them. So Jesus is is coming out and is he's, he's looking into the people that are around, and he knows what they think. There, there, are all sorts of gifts that we God gives us, and there are people who have gifts that are extraordinary. They can know what you're thinking. They can know what is in your heart and tell. I remember a story of a man years and years ago where we used to stay and that was talk, talk, talked of or talked about. He he would stand at a street corner and for people who would pass every morning, he would tell you what you did, what you did last night, what you did the day before. And he was always spot on saying, you you slept with a, 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 another woman. You You say this to the other person. Repent. That was a gift. Gift of God given to him. And people of course started to take another route. They stopped using that route because they knew that they were going to be called out for what they did. But th- they are gifts that God gives and we pray for God to give such gifts to us. yeah, As believers. And more to us. Because it can help you know. It can help you even get out and, sp- and speak and preach and help others out of trouble. And for this Jesus does and knows because he's a son of God. He says to them, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Can a heart be filled with evil? Yes. Can a heart plot evil and have thoughts that are evil? Yes, it can happen because Jesus sees it here. Why, what is the evil that he's talking about? It is that statement of this fellow blasphemes. That's the statement of evil. It can be as simple as that. Evil, anything that is not right with God is considered evil. And sometimes we have it in our hearts. We bear it in our hearts. We keep it right there. And we have all these thoughts that are not good. And we have all these thoughts that you you start to plot, how will I respond to this person today? You leave home knowing if this person says this, I will respond like this. And it is all not good. You plot your fight. You plot your, your, struggle, yeah. And how you're going to go through it, and how you respond, and how you'll hurt the other party. Evil in your heart. Jesus is asking them, "Why are you thinking evil in your heart?" And they must have wondered how did he know what we are thinking. And he says, "Which is easier to say?" Your sins are forgiven. or hmm? to say, get up and walk. He's asking them, which of these two do you think is easier for me to say? Yeah, Which of these two is harder for me to do? Because for the forgiveness of sins, they had a problem with it. As the scribes, as the Pharisees, as the leaders. They had a problem with it because to them... It is only God who forgives sins. And Jesus in this position right now, as they see him, does not qualify to do that. So Jesus is asking them, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Because even getting up and walk, walking is not something these scribes were used to. There were people in that time, of course, all sorts of exorcists who, who would carry out uh, different things. And healers who would get into the divine world and make things happen but for what jesus was doing it on a daily basis with ease with just a word he, he, he didn't have to cut anything and throw it in somebody's eyes to sin. no with him it was easy and now he's asking them because both things are hard to you as the scribes you feel forgiveness of sins is hard and also you're not getting telling somebody to get up and walk is also hard so, which is easier to you? Of course, that's a question that they can't respond to. And he says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He tells them, now he's going to do both of the things he has asked. First, he's going to answer and respond to them about the forgiveness of sins. And he responds by saying, the Son of Man has authority on earth To forgive sins. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. What have you done in your life that you feel you cannot be forgiven? That probably even ask for forgiveness from the person you hurt and they refuse to forgive you. Jesus forgives sin. It does not matter what you have done, how big it is. And sometimes we we do not feel worthy of being forgiven. We do not feel worthy because of the things we've done in the past. But this is the good news. Jesus takes your plea. Jesus forgives sins. He has the authority. And the only way we are going to be forgiven is by believing in him and accepting him as our Lord and Savior so that when we do that we have access to forgiveness of sins sins will not be forgiven by anything you give that all oh, i have given because for for the normal man or the layman there are very many things you can do to get forgiveness you can buy them a gift you can if if you hurt somebody you can buy them a, a car probably we see that in, in marriages that if or in relationships where if somebody has hurt the other They'll go and buy a can, then they get forgiveness. You can buy them any sort of gift in the world so that they look at it and smile and say, I've forgiven you. With Jesus, all you have to do is to believe in him. He does not ask you for anything. He does, because he's the one who gives them. He does not ask you for money to forgive you. No. All you need to do is to ask for it and you'll get it. What did do? You do? To get forgiveness. It's just the faith of his friends. And he says you are forgiven. The things that Jesus requires of us. Are not tangible. It is the feeling. It is the acceptance. That you give to him. That then he looks to you and considers you. And says I will forgive you. I will heal you. I will set you free. And he tells his men here. That I've got the power. To forgive sins. The reason he came. Was to die on the cross. So that your sins and my sins should be forgiven. And that he did perfectly. It does not matter what you have done, my friend out there who is listening today. It does not matter how bad you have been. And how everybody has categorized you as the worst of all. If Jesus says He's forgiving you, he will forgive you. And that he has said. And he will forgive your sins. And he tells this this, this paralytic and says, get up, pick up your bed and go home. Now, to the scribes, both things have been done. He has confirmed his authority to forgive sins. He has also come out to do that which he told, get up and walk. Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. First, he forgave his sins. Then he tells him, get up and go home. Get up and walk. Get up, pick your bed, and go home. It is very important for us, and sometimes these things happen, that people are seeking the things of God, yet they do not believe in him. That we are seeking the blessing of God, yet we do not believe in him. How are you going to get it when your sins are not forgiven? It, of course, in the, it defies the scenarios of Jesus and how his healing, uh, his healing ministry goes, differs in different cases, but for this one specifically, sins had to be forgiven first so that he may be able to get up and walk. There are some diseases. There are some afflictions. There are some attacks that can be in your life. And until your sins have been forgiven, and how are they forgiven? By Christ. By accepting him as Lord and Savior. There are some Issues in your life that will not go until you accept him. And after you've accepted him, because when you accept him, then you have access to the forgiveness of sins. After the forgiveness of sins has happened, then you are straight on your path of victory. There are some things, there are some issues in your life that you've prayed for for a long time. You've tried herbalists. You've tried all doctors But until you take on Christ and accept him, and by the way, accepting him also implies you live by his word, you live by his his commands. When he tells this man, get up and pick your bed, if this man stays on the bed and does not get up, obeying the command of Christ, he will stay there. So following Christ includes obedience. Somebody may say, I said the salvation prayer 30 years ago, but things have not happened. Have you obeyed? the obedience when he tells you to get up and pick your bed, you get up and pick your bed or you just stay on the bed. If this man stays on the bed, will he get his miracle? No. He tells him, get up, pick your bed and go home. The instructions of where to go. Sometimes you're told of where to go and you choose another direction. Sometimes we are told of where to go and what to do and we disobey and that can hinder. If this man is told to go home, and he decides to go to the bar. Then <laughs> there is uh, another experience we are told of here, years and years ago, very many years ago. With I think it was a T.L. Osborne uh, crusade, where there is a, a, a crippled that was in in the crusade when they prayed, just right there in the in the crowd, a crippled man just straightened up and stood up and walked. And it caused a lot of, uh, of, of cheers and fear, of course, because it comes on when you're seeing a crippled man straightened out. And this man walked and he was healed at that crusade. And he started to walk and everybody in the village saw that this man had actually been healed. And what he did after that, he went to the bar to celebrate his healing. And he spent the night in the bar celebrating his healing. And what happened after going back to the bar the next day, he was back crippled. Because when the healing has come, when you've been, when Jesus has come out for you, and there are instructions of where to go, if you choose another path, then you're getting back into the previous bondage. He tells him, Go home. If this man chooses to go to the bar, the next day he will be a paralytic again. And we have to get this straight obedience to god and instruction that have been given it has been given to us in the word of that which we should do of how we should live of where we should go and there where god sends you home is a place of rest is a place of peace he's not sending you out to go back to your old life when god has touched you when your sins have been forgiven and your life has been healed and things have been changed the next place to go is a place of peace Home is peace. It's not going back to the old life. To where you became a paralytic. Go to the place of peace. Obedience to God. Letting him create a home in you. And things shall remain. We fail to sustain healing. Because of what we do after we've possessed it. We fail to sustain blessing. Because after we've been blessed. We get back in the old life. And all the blessing is gone again. And he got up and we are told he went home. So, he obeyed. After your sins have been forgiven and you've been healed and you've been instructed to do that which Jesus is instructing you to do, then you shall preserve that healing. After your sins have been forgiven, after Jesus has touched you and told you to be well, he gives you instruction. Of how to live your life as a Christian. And you follow that through His Word, and things will be well. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. They said, This we have never seen. For a man who does that, we have never seen. And they glorified God. For whatever happens when people pray, when you pray for others and they get well, the glory is not yours. The glory is God. The glory returns to God. We don't take, you know, sometimes God has gifted you and you have this gift of healing and you're praying for people, deliverance. And then you, just like that, you start walking like you own the entire world. But the power you, you have and carry is not yours, that it is yours you created it. No, it's Christ. And all glory always goes back to him. When you preach well, all glory to God. When you pray for somebody and they get well, all glory to God. When you come and do a good worship service and people are blessed, all glory to God. Yeah. It's not you don't come out and say, you know, yeah, I'm a very gifted man. You are, I have all this, yeah, you know, God touched me, and we, we will add God to it, but then we want to retain all the glory eventually. But these men, when they saw they said, We glorify God because He has given such authority to men. Even to us, we glorify God who has given you such a beautiful voice. We will glorify God who has given you such a spirit of perfection. We will glorify God for that which he has done in your life. And everything that we do in ministry, all glory and honor always returns to God. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And we pray that you keep blessing us and prospering us in all things. Because with you, we are safe. With you, all things are perfect. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website bibleindepth.com.